0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more. Background there? Were they running around the church? Yeah. Uh, we do want to say thank you, and we really do appreciate it. I thought it would be good for you to hear from Chief Davis and Dr. Davies about your efforts. and It really makes so much difference in community. It allows people to, um, to rebuild their lives when something tragic happens. And you're part, you're part of that rebuilding. And so I really enjoy, I enjoy the friendship that I have in community. I do sit on the fireboard. I'm a director here uh, as a firefighter in the fire, on the fireboard. And also um, get to be part of the Dr. Davies board as well. And so it's just something that you do that you continue to just bless so many different people, and so I want to personally say to you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, I'm just feeling, I don't know what this is, but I'm just feeling a little more pastoral this morning, and I don't know why. Um, I just feel that, and I I think that uh, one of the reasons is is I just want to share a brief word. I hadn't planned on sharing this with you, but...
1: But I want to share
0: this with you, and and it really has to do with your relationship, your intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the world has created a lot of noise, and there's a lot of chaos. There are a lot of things that are going on, and it's so loud out there. And the Lord just wanting us to come to a place where it's quiet, and that we spend time with Him, and we hear His still, small voice. Because this is where we're going to find that relationship with Jesus Christ. This is where we're going to find that intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so this morning, whatever it's worth, let me encourage you to find that quiet place. Because in that quiet place, there's healing. In that quiet place, there's comfort. In that quiet place, there's grace that God wants to bring to his people Find him in that quiet place today, would you? And know that he wants and desires a stronger relationship with you, a growing relationship with you in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Well, again, good morning, Canby Foursquare Church. And to those that are with us on campus, for you that are online, however you are choosing to join us, we want to welcome and thank you today for just being with us. You know, we've been in a very difficult mode of operation for about a year now. Uh, I think most of us know that. And during this time, you have been nothing short of amazing. And so I'm going to give you kudos again this morning. So please know that your keen sense to follow Jesus during one of the most chaotic times in history has been remarkable. You know, I know there have been mistakes along the way. Uh, I know that there are flaws along the way because we're flawed and we make mistakes but one of the things that I've noticed overall is you continue to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you that way this morning. And it doesn't mean that we don't have differing opinions, because we do. But at the end of the day, we exalt Jesus above all else. And you say amen to that. We exalt Jesus above everything else. And I, I, I think that's what the Apostle Paul was saying to the church of Corinth, they were struggling through a time, a season where they were personality driven, that they were attaching themselves to certain personalities and that they were really actually lobbying for those personalities to lead. And the Apostle Paul, he steps into that quagmire in a lot of ways. He steps in and Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, and he says, I determined not to know. The word know there means become intimate with anything else among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if this has been your attitude, if this has been your determination in these last several months, I empathize with you and I want to thank you for maintaining a focus on Jesus because it makes all the difference in the world. This posture of faith doesn't mean that we're naive. It doesn't mean that we're clueless or that we're ill-informed or irrelevant concerning today's issues. What it means is in all things, Jesus will be at the center of what we do. At all, in all things, Jesus will, will be the foremost of what we do, and that Jesus Christ is the first and the last, that Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end, and that Jesus Christ is the absolute truth and life. He is our Savior, He is our Redeemer, and we say amen to that. Yeah. Amen. This is where we stand today. And listen, that that is not going to change. We still need to, through the days ahead, exalt Jesus Christ. Put him in the center of your life. Whatever it is you're going through, put him in the center. Hold him up. Lift him up in everything that you say and do. And with that, what I'd like you to do is I want you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 6 this morning. That's Luke chapter 6. We're going to continue our series, Jesus for Everyone, And we're going to begin at Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 17. And I want to read this to you. It says, He went down with him, that's Jesus, and he stood on a level place. A large crowd of disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him, tried to get a hold of him, tried to be around him because power was coming from him and healing them. Looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are the poor. For you are poor, those that are poor, he says, the kingdom is yours. The kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you people when they hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. It says, rejoice in that day. And leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how our ancestors or their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you are already receiving your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks speaks well of you for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. What Jesus is doing here is he's teaching these disciples, he's bringing them around. And if I you notice something here, this passage of scripture sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like the sermon on the mount that you read in Matthew chapters 5, 6 and 7, but it's really not. Because Luke gives us a clue that it's not uh, the Sermon on the Mount. When you look at verse 17, it says, And they went down to them, and they stood on a level place. So this is a different sermon. This is a different message. It has some of the same content that's in the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus took some of his material from that sermon, and he used it in this message. So this is encouraging to me. As a, as a pastor, as a teacher, I, I was encouraged to read this. I was encouraged because Jesus was reusing material. And, you know, 32 years of being here, there have been times that I have reused and repacked material. I think it's been appropriate. I hope it's been fresh. But there are times that truth is just truth. And that you say it the same way again. Again over and over and over again. And I know I've done that. So if Jesus has done that, it really gives me permission to do the same. And I, I was thankful when I was reading this that Jesus is actually giving the Sermon on the Plain here. Not the Sermon on the Mount, but a Sermon on the Plain. He, he repeats these things over and over again. He's trying to teach his disciples things that are incredibly important. And I thought about the things that I repeat things that I say over and over again. One of the phrases that I use over and over again is, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Maybe you've heard that. If you've been here for even a short period of time, that's a phrase that is constantly repeated. And, and, and the reason it's repeated is because it's true. It's repeated to you over and over because there are times we feel desperate. There are times that we feel alone. There are times that we feel like we have been on the outside looking in, and we need to hear that promise. We need to hear the promise of God's presence. And moving forward and going into the days ahead, would you just remember that he never leaves you, that he never forsakes you, that whatever standing before you now, whatever challenges you face in life, that when you leave this building, would you know his presence will be with you, that he's not going to leave you, that he's going to be with you, And he's going to fight your battles with you. He's going to stand up with you. That's something we need to know. We need to know that on a regular basis. We need to repeat that time and time again. The other one, and you heard it this morning, let's keep the main thing the main thing. How important is that today? Jesus for everyone. That what we do is we lift up the name of Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus Because it's the name of Jesus that we're saved by. It's the name of Jesus that we find healing. It's the name of Jesus that we find all the things that we need for life and godliness. So to repeat that over and over again. Maybe there are things that the Lord has caused you to repeat over and over again. There are things that continue, themes that continue to reoccur in your own heart, your own mind. Would you pay attention to that? Would you pay attention to that and recognize that those things are prophetic to you? That the word of the Lord is coming to you. The word of the Lord is equipping you because the Lord knows what's ahead. He knows what's down the road. So he gives you a word. He speaks to you in those quiet places so that you would be equipped to handle those things that are coming your way. Does that mean you're going to always be strong? No, it means usually we're weak. And that we need the strength of Jesus Christ. Does it mean that we're going to always be confident? No. There are times that I don't feel confident. But I know by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, there's some things that can come my way. There's the word of God that comes my way that brings strength, brings confidence, brings courage to me. I really believe that wherever Jesus went to preach, he always blessed people. He would always bring a blessing. And and what I pray for when you come to this place on Sunday or you go to your small groups, that you walk away refreshed and you walk away blessed. All who hear him, all who receive him, the Bible says we will be blessed. Blessing is one of the most common and notable features of Jesus' teaching. And the word blessed simply means to be truly happy. Not the kind of happiness or the the kind of joy the world brings, but it's the kind of happiness and joy that only Jesus can bring. So think about it this way. As Jesus looks at this crowd and he says to them, "'How truly happy are the poor. "'How truly happy are those that mourn or hunger. "'Blessed or happy are you who weep.'" That sounds like a, a huge contradiction, But he's speaking to people who many of them have left their livelihood. They have made Jesus their primary target in life, their primary uh, person that they follow in life. And so Jesus is speaking to those that have been marginalized. He's speaking to those that are hurting because they've decided to follow Jesus. Jesus is saying these things to his followers who were poor because they gave up their livelihoods people who were living by faith as they followed jesus christ and i love this jesus says to them blessed are you blessed are you when you give up anything for me whatever that might be whatever that looks like it might be a promotion it might be prestige It might be a place in a a group of people that you've always wanted to be with, but you've given it up because you know that that isn't going the right direction. That's not God's call on your life. When you're giving up those kinds of things in place, you are blessed. Jesus said, blessed are you. You know, I hope this describes you being a follower of Jesus Christ. I hope even though we have ups and downs and and live during one of the most unsettling times, I hope that you enjoy walking with Jesus and that there is a deep joy that belongs to you. That there's a deep, deep joy that's resident in your life, a happiness that sets you apart, that makes you noticeable, a light that shines on a hill. That when people look at my life, when they look at your life, they're saying there's something different here. There's something that goes deeper here. That you're holding on to something that the the world wants to get, but you've got that because you've got Jesus Christ. And the reason that's true is because you have sacrificed. To follow Jesus, there will be sacrifice. Jesus says the reason this is happening, the reason that you're poor, the reason that you're hungry, the, the, the reason all these things are happening... It, it, Jesus says it's because men hate you. They persecute you. They revile you for my name's sake. I don't know if you've ever been persecuted before. I mean, just for the name of Jesus. I mean, I, I was. I remember when it happened to me for the first time, and it was, it was startling. I had taken a trip over to Scandinavia with a mission group was with YWAM and a few other organizations that that went over to uh, Scandinavia and to Europe and I was on a a mission trip with about eight or ten other people going downtown to Stockholm and we were standing by the escalator and I'll never forget this and we were handing out tracts and just telling people about Jesus and this, this one gentleman walked by me, he probably was about my age and he he took the track, and right in front of me, he ripped it up, and he spit on me. And, uh, and he looked at me, and he said, he said, Stalin lives, obviously a communist. Stalin lives, and I said, Jesus lives. Stalin's dead, but Jesus is alive. And he spit on me again. And I'd never experienced that before. I'd never experienced that in my life, and, 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 and I thought that was a big deal, but when you look at what the disciples have gone through, what they went through during their lifetime, this was nothing, but, but I had a sense of that, and I said, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going I'm to praise your name. I'm going to tell people about you, and I, at that moment, I, I sensed this great blessing Just like the Bible tells us in the Beatitudes, just like Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 6, there was something that happened. So when we live our lives following Jesus Christ, what do we do? We're a threat to darkness, and we are a hope to those that are seeking salvation. There's a contrast, and the contrast is becoming greater and greater as the days go by between light and darkness you see it was that moment that i was spit on that i understood blessing isn't that interesting it's the moment that you experience some sort of a persecution that god counters that with a blessing in your life that he doesn't leave you he doesn't forsake you that his presence is real And I had a glimpse that day, just a tiny glimpse at what it was like to be persecuted and at the same time experience the blessing of Jesus Christ. Blessed are you when men hate you or exclude you or revile you for the sake of Jesus Christ. You see, there was a a reason Jesus said blessed are the poor and the hungry and the weeping. It was because They were following Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it. They were following Jesus. And what should our response be to persecution? I know what my flesh wants to do. And I know what my mouth wants to say. But the Holy Spirit has put that in check. Because there is a response. If you look at verse 23, it says, Rejoice. Leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven. Paul told Timothy that because this young preacher, Timothy, was going to be going out into different places, starting churches, preaching the gospel. And Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So please hear me. Be persecuted for the right reasons. If you're going to be be persecuted, be persecuted for the right reasons, and that's being a follower of Jesus Christ. What hill are you willing to die on? It should be no other hill but Calvary. It should be no other hill than Jesus Christ. How do people see you? If they were to label you, what would the label say? I think about this. I wonder, what will they say about me? What will they say about you? I'm praying and hopefully living in a way that my label says a follower of Jesus Christ. That above everything else, above all the other allegiance you have, That people would say this about you. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. That you follow him. Life and death, you follow him. In Luke chapter 6, there are four beatitudes that are followed by four woes. I think you saw those. And they counter the beatitudes. And what Jesus was saying here is he was saying, listen, if you try to get all of these things on your own, if you try to get wealth on your own, if you try to get... Food and and on your own. If you try to do all these things on your own, you're not going to make it. But if you give up everything for me, you will make it. In Luke chapter 6, you go a little further down to verse 27. And it says this. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on, on the cheek, on one cheek, then turn to them, the other one also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give it to them. <laughs> Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Boy, that is a tough road. See, what Jesus did here... As he gave the blessings, he gave the woes, but then he ups the ante. I mean, he's saying some pretty hard things. And can you imagine living during during a time where there wasn't much? I mean, most of society was poor. And Jesus is saying, hey, step it up here. What you need to know about this passage that we just read is these verses are the highlight of Jesus' sermon. This is the crescendo, the apex of the sermon. Jesus speaks about what sets his followers apart. He says, this is what my followers look like. This little statement where Jesus said, love your enemies, this separates the big leagues from the minor leagues. Anybody can love, especially when they... Love the lovable. Anyone can love the people that are endeared to other people. It's easy to love those who are powerful, those that are wealthy, those that are beautiful. But what about loving those who hate you? What about loving those that revile you? What Jesus is saying is this separates the men from the boys, the women from the girls. This is the big leagues right here. And it's what separates Christianity from all other religions. This is it. Right here. And I've had to wrestle with this. I've had to wrestle with this. Annette and I took a trip to the coast a couple weeks ago. And we had a lot of different kinds of conversations. But one of the conversations that came up was, you know, after you know, 32 years of being in one place, there are some bumps along the way. There are some folks that you, you just wish weren't in your life. You know, there's just hardship that can happen. But by the way, none of them are in the room right now. You're all good with me. But I, I, I lamented. Because I, I said, I, I don't know. I don't know with certain folks over the years if I've come to that place of forgiveness and, and I want to forgive I, I don't want to hold on to those things I want to let the, those things go and so I've been working on that I've been working on that I think the lit, litmus test for us as far as forgiving our enemies the question we would ask is could we have communion with him? That's always what I ask myself. Can I, can I have communion? Because that's the ultimate place of intimacy. That's the place that Jesus tells us to go and make things right with each other. And, and I'm getting there. You know, I'm, I'm working my way there. It's not a one and done. You know that, don't you? that you believe you've forgiven a person and then a year or two later something pops up and and they're there again and you go through the process of forgiving and that's why when asked how often do we forgive <laughs> Jesus said you forgive you forgive 70 times over I mean what Jesus was saying you forgive as many times as you need to forgive that's what he says and that's some really hard work, isn't it? That's, that's really a lot of spiritual surgery. And it's not a comfortable place to be. But what I want to say is, Lord, I need to come to this place. I need to take this serious. This is Jesus, our founder, saying to us, love your enemies. Jesus is telling us, this is what sets us apart. Love those who hate you Again it's easy to love those who love you even the sinners can do that But our lives as believers in, is built on loving those who are your enemies and those that hate you This is the this is the rawness of our relationship with Jesus Christ Now I want you to look, go with me here, look at chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. And remember as we go to chapter 7, when this was written, there were were no separations of chapters and verses. And it's kind of interesting how Luke flows us through this, how he brings us through this passage of scripture. Why is this important right here? Because the next story is about the enemy of the Jews. It's about a Roman centurion, and that's not there by accident. Luke puts this here because he's following a line of thought for us. He's saying, forgive your enemies, and now he's going to talk about one. And it says this. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, who is his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and he's built our synagogue. And so Jesus "...went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed." who had been sent, returned to the house and found the servant whole. Wow, the centurion knew what it was to see authority at work. Knew that all of us, in one way or another, live under authority. The centurions are really the backbone of the Roman army. They rule between 80 and 100 men. So they have some clout. They have some say. They have some influence. And here's something interesting. Of all the times in the New Testament when centurions are mentioned, they are never seen in a negative way. That's that's surprising to me. They're never seen in a negative light. That's what what we see here. So Jesus, the centurion's friends say he deserves a visit from you. He deserves to have you. While the centurion himself says he doesn't deserve a visit. But Jesus recognizes something in this man. He knows how authority works. He knows that when Caesar gave a command, it was was up to him to follow it through to the detail. Jesus was amazed because even his own people didn't get this. Remember, Jesus operated under the same structure of command. And I think this is why Jesus took heart with this centurion and what he was asking, because he understood the power and the authority of his Father in heaven. I do what my Father asked me to do. That was something Jesus repeated in one way or another all through the the Gospels. Jesus knew that this guy knew who he was. And the Father sent the Son, and the Son speaks, and it's done. You see, the centurion believed Jesus represented the authority of God the Father. He understood that if Jesus was to say this, he represented the Father in heaven. And now you look at verses, in chapter 7, you look at verses 11 through 17, and I'm going to close with this. It says, soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him and he approached the town gate and a dead person was being carried out and the only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry, don't cry. I love that. And then he went up and he touched the uh, briar. They were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and he began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countries. I've gone through this town. If anyone's gone to Israel with us, you've gone through this little town of Nain. It was little then. It's little now. It's a small town. And now this small town has this reputation, something that was so obscure and Jesus spends time with a widow and he sees the importance of someone who doesn't have something that's very poor and it goes back to the beatitudes he's talking to those people who are poor and you see him you see him practice this himself that he could have just passed right on through but what he does is he spends time with a widow this widow had no protection she had no provision Why? Because both her husband and her son passed away. And the story says that Jesus had compassion on her. In the English translation, this really doesn't say all that needs to be said here. The word compassion literally means from the gut. Have you ever said, yeah, I know it in my gut. (laughs) I feel it in my gut. It was, it was not only a mental and spiritual response, but Jesus had a physical response to this widow that he drew close to her. His heart went out to her, and he literally felt her pain. Now, you have to stop there just for a moment because I think it's important for us to take hold of something. Do you think Jesus was very sensitive to her because he knew his mom would feel that same deep sorrow someday. I think he knew that. I think he knew his mom was going to experience that. Here is something deep in the heart of God that cares for the widow and the widower. I've, I've watched this church, I've watched you take care of those that need to be taken care of. And that's why today we, we even thank you for how you've done that through the community, where you've taken care of people who need to be taken care of. And I just say thank you for that. I want you to notice something. You have two crowds converging. One that's excited. They're in a party mode. They were with Jesus. And Jesus heals people and says pretty good things. And you have a very sad crowd And now these two crowds merge. Think about this. Two crowds and two only sons. You have a dead son who's destined to live here. And you have a living son of God who's destined to die. So much was pointing to the cross. And one son's life will be restored while the other son's life will be resurrected. And the one who would be resurrected said to the other, Get up. Why? Because he was the resurrection and the life. This is a prophetic look, not only at the death, but the resurrection of Jesus. This is a foreshadowing of the great resurrection, the preview at what's to come. And today, let me just say this. In all that we're going through, in all that we're about, Jesus brings hope. And I think if I'm going to leave you with anything, I want to leave you with the reality of hope in your circumstances, especially when we invite Jesus to be part of our pain, part of our suffering, Part of our sorrow. Whenever Jesus is brought in, there's something that's resurrected. There's life that comes when we hope on Jesus and we confess, Lord, we are poor in spirit. We are hungry in spirit. Lord, we need you to bless us and fill us in Jesus' name. Would you bow your head with me? Father, this morning I just want to thank you For the work that you're doing in our lives And I just pray for those that are sick this morning That you would touch them and bring healing Lord, I ask that you pray for those That are going through this day with a broken heart That you would mend their brokenness That you would come And you would make yourself real to them. Lord, we thank you today for all that you're doing. And Lord, let us remember to take time out in the course of our days and be quiet with you so there we get to know you. We get to draw close to you and have a a deeper relationship with you. Let us block out the chaos of the day, the noise of the day, and just be with you. Lord, thank you for the strength that you bring to us. Thank you for the resurrected life that we are part of when we call on the name of the Lord. Today, Lord, I pray that you not only heal us physically, but you heal us spiritually. For those that need to know you, that they would call on your name and you would be there and you would bring salvation. We just thank you for your salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray and we say, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through CanbyFoursquare.com.